0: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media Thanks to the generosity of our supporters Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily Please make your donation today at vision.org.au
1: Imagine if you got an email from God Would you read it? I think you would
0: Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that we have in fact received a message from God It's recorded in the Bible and it speaks to the times in which we live.
1: He says, There's some things I want to say to you, my children, right now. Think of this as a personal email, a personal text, a letter, a card from the Lord directly to you. This is the day when the lost are found.
0: through an unfamiliar city and you start to realize that you've passed the same landmark three times your passenger leans over and says I think we're lost you say yeah I know but we're making good time well some of us are a bit lost in our understanding of the book of Revelation but we do know that time is short today in a new beginning pastor Greg Laurie helps clear up the confusion and bring a solid understanding of what's coming in God's end times plan
1: Day day when life Let me start with a question. Have you ever wondered about what is going to happen in the future? Have you ever wished you could just peer over time and see what is going to take place? I have to be honest with you, in some ways, I'm glad I don't know the future. Bottom line, God knows the future, and I know Him, and that's enough. But, in fact, the book of Revelation does give us a glimpse into the future. Again, the word revelation, and by the way, it's not revelations. Sometimes people say, I was reading revelations the other day. It's revelation. It's singular, not plural. But the word revelation means the unveiling because, as I've said before, it is not God's desire to conceal but to reveal. One thing I learned from studying this great book is God has a plan, and everything is right on schedule, and I also discovered that the best is yet to come, and we win in the end. So why should I study the book of Revelation or Bible prophecy in general? Answer, to get a perspective, because we learn about the future to motivate us to live right in the present. It's important how I view the future. As an example, if I believe that Jesus could come back at any moment, will it not affect me in the way that I live? Hey, remember when you were a kid and maybe you uh, got in trouble and your mom said, "You, you just wait until your father gets home. Did you look forward to the arrival of your father? No, you did not. Because you'd done something wrong and when his car pulled into the driveway and you heard him walking up to the front door, you were afraid. But on the other hand, let's say you are a good kid. And you didn't get in trouble. You could hardly wait till daddy got home. Let's apply that to the Lord's return. If I'm right with God, I'm looking forward to his return. If I've done something to dishonor him or to disobey him, then maybe I dread it. So you can see your belief in the imminent return of Jesus has an effect on you and in the way that you live. So what does Revelation unveil or reveal? Well it reveals a supernatural world. The world of heaven and of hell, the world of God and of angels and of supernatural activity all around us each and every day. Revelation also reveals eternity. And we realize that there is an afterlife. There is a supernatural realm coexisting with the natural realm. In the book of Revelation, there's a timelessness. Ecclesiastes 3:15 says, whatever exists today and whatever will exist in the future has already existed in the past, for God calls each event back in its turn. <laughs> you you hear a verse like that and you say, uh-huh? Okay, here's what it means: God living in the eternal realm can see the past with perfect. Accuracy. He can see the future with total clarity. So when he tells us something is gonna happen, we can be sure it will happen exactly as he has said. And that is why the Bible is the one book that dares to predict the future. Not once, not twice, but hundreds of times with 100% accuracy. But before we get into all the prophetic things, Jesus has a lot to say to his followers. He has a lot to say to you, and he has a lot to say to me. So in effect, before the Lord addresses our future, he says, there's some things I wanna say to you, my children, right now. And that's very important, because we're gonna look at the words of Jesus to the seven churches. You can think of this as God's letter to you, or you could think of it as God's email to you. Imagine if you got an email from God, or if you got a text from Jesus, would you read it? I think you would. Think of this as a personal email, a personal text, a letter, a card from the Lord directly to you. Now, as we look at what Jesus says to these seven churches, there's three things we need to know. Number one, this speaks to us practically. In other words, these were actual churches. We're gonna read about the church of Ephesus, the church of Smyrna, the church of Pergamus, Thyatira, Laodicea, Philadelphia, and so forth. So they were actual churches, and in fact, they followed a postal route of that day. So Jesus is speaking specifically to these existing churches and their pastors, so we don't wanna miss that. Number two, they speak to us prophetically. We have sort of a flyover of church history, starting with the church of Ephesus and concluding with the church of Laodicea. So we start with an apostolic church, and we end up with an apostate church. Uh, We start with a church that is in danger of leaving its first love, and we end up with a church that Jesus says, you make me sick to my stomach, well, wow, you know things are messed up when someone says, you make me sick to my stomach. Guys, if you ask a girl out on a date and she says, you make me want to throw up, that's not a good sign. <laughs> and that's exactly what Jesus says to the final church we'll be looking at. So we start with a church that's losing its passion and we end with a church that Jesus is on the outside of trying to get into. And one final thing as we look at the words of Jesus to these churches, they speak to us Personally, again, I want you to think of this as God's email to you. So let's look together now at Revelation chapter 2. I'm reading verses 1 to 5. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write These things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience. You can't bear those who are evil and you've tested those who say they are apostles and are not you found them liars you've persevered you've had patience and you've labored for my name's sake and you have not become weary nevertheless i have this against you you have left your first love remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the first works or else i will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent wow powerful words we'll stop right there so let me illustrate what Jesus is saying by talking about people who get married. You know, when you're first courting a girl, you want to impress her as a guy, you do everything for her. You tell her how beautiful she looks. You, you open the door of the car for her. Uh, you pull out the chair in the restaurant for her. You take her to the finest restaurants, French restaurants, and, and you don't even like French food. I can't stand French food, by the way. But, you know, you do all those things for her. Then you marry her, and some time passes, and, and things have changed. Uh, you still open the door of the car for her. You just close it before she's all the way in. You pull the chair out in the restaurant for her, but you don't put it back in. And when she falls, you laugh. You take her to French restaurants like Le Golden Arches and in Z Box, or things like that. Yeah, something has gone wrong. The honeymoon is over, right? The first year of the marriage, the woman listens. The second year of the marriage, the man listens. The third year of the marriage, nobody listens. I heard about a, a woman who was married and uh, she was very hungry, so she made the horrible mistake. Uh, of committing the crime of shoplifting, she stole a can of peaches. Uh, The store owners saw her do it and she was arrested and she was standing before the judge. And he said, so you stole a can of peaches? She said, yes, I did. He said, how many peaches were in the can? She said, eight peaches, your honor. He said, then you will serve eight months in jail one month for every peach. And then the husband decided it was time to speak up. He said, Your Honor, I would like to say something. And the judge said, yes, go ahead. What did you want to say? He said, she also stole a can of peas. <laughs> See, that, that's not good. That would say the honeymoon is over. And that can happen in our relationship with Jesus Christ as well.
0: Listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. Thanks for joining us today. He's sharing from a new series in the book of Revelation. Today's message is from Revelation chapter 2, and it's entitled, What If Jesus Sent You an Email? Let's continue.
1: I want you to notice how aware Jesus is of what is going on in his church. Look at verse 1. These things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Now, when you think of a lampstand, think of a menorah, These are symbols of the church. So effectively, Jesus is saying, I am walking in the midst of my church. Let me put it another way. Jesus is saying, I know what's going on in my church. And he's also saying, I know what's going on in your life as one of my followers. You know, it's very popular today to critique the church. But remember, Jesus himself walks in the midst of it. He only started one organization when he walked this earth, and it's called the church. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Listen, the church has many critics, but it has no equals. And a true child of God should want to be a part of the church. So Jesus is saying to these seven churches, I know, I know what's happening. And he would say that to you as an individual right now. Wherever you are, he'd say, I know what you're facing. I know how hard it is. I know how challenging it is. I know what your dreams are. I know what your aspirations are. I am aware of what is happening in your life right now. Remember this church that Jesus was speaking to was a literal church. Both the Apostle Paul and possibly the Apostle John were pastors of the church of Ephesus. Now think about that for a moment. The Apostle Paul as your pastor and then the apostle John, it doesn't get much better than that, two living apostles opening the word of God for you. But here's what was going on. When this church was in existence, they were in the second generation of faith. In other words, the people in this church were born to the parents that came to Jesus right after his earthly ministry. So this church is in the aftermath of the first Jesus movement. But as it often happens, sometimes that wonderful truth is not passed on to the next generation. They were losing it. They were missing it. So Jesus comes to tell them how to get things right. And he starts with a commendation. He starts with a compliment. And he lists a number of things that they're doing right before he critiques them and tells them what they're doing wrong. And that's a great thing to keep in mind. When you have something you want to say to someone that might be a criticism, start with a compliment. Say something nice to them. Then get to your criticism. Some people are only criticized and they never compliment. That's very important to remember to bring a compliment. But sometimes in our attempt to compliment a person we'll actually insult them. I call it a salt. A salt is a backhanded compliment or really an insult that looks like a compliment but actually isn't. Here's an example of a salt. When you say to someone, you look great for your age. <laughs> what you just said to them was you're really very old, right? You have one foot in the grave already. Or when you say, you look good. Have you lost weight? You effectively told them they were fat before. Or when you say, wow, I I didn't expect you to get that job. Congratulations. That's a massive insult. See, you think you're complimenting them. You're actually insulting them. Well, Jesus gives legitimate compliments. Number one, and if you're taking notes, here's my first point. As followers of Jesus, we should be busy and be about our Father's business. As followers of Jesus, we should be busy and be about our Father's business. Look at Revelation 2, verse two. Jesus says to the church of Ephesus, I know your works, your labor, and your patience. They were a very active church. This could be literally translated, you've labored to the point of weariness. They didn't just work, they worked really hard to the point of exhaustion. It's even implied in the original language, they worked even at the cost of pain. Could Jesus say that to you? Man, thank you for working so hard for me. Thank you for all that you do for my glory. I appreciate all that you do behind the scenes. You know, a lot of times, You don't get a lot of backpats or attaboys and you get a little bit discouraged. But here's what Jesus is saying. I know what you're doing for me. I am aware of it and I appreciate it. I love what he says in Matthew 6.3. He says, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So whatever you've done in the name of the Lord, However you've served faithfully behind the scenes, be aware of this, God is aware of it, God knows about it, and God will bless you for it. Point number two, as followers of Jesus, we need to hang in there through thick and thin. As followers of Jesus, we need to hang in there through thick and thin. Jesus says, I know your works, your labor, and your patience. The word that is used here for patience is a word that means to bear up under a load. It wasn't easy to be a Christian in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was sort of a center of pagan idolatry. They worshiped uh, a goddess there. In their minds, a goddess, a deity. She was known as Diana. And they would chant, great is Diana of the Ephesians. In fact, when Paul went there to preach the gospel, a riot broke out because of it. So it was a very pagan place to be. they were very discerning. Uh, That's point number three. We need to be more discerning as Christians. Look at verse two. You cannot bear them which are evil. You see, they didn't just believe someone because they said they had a word from the Lord, or, or they claimed to speak for God, or they claimed to be an apostle or a prophet. The Bible actually warns that one of the signs of the last days will be false prophets, telling us certain things are going to happen, and then those things don't happen, and they lead people astray. We need more discernment in the church today. In verse John 4, 1, he writes, Dear friends, don't believe everyone who claimed to speak by the Spirit. Test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God, for there's false prophets in the world. We need to be more discerning And I bring this up because there's a lot of crazy conspiracy theories floating around out there that sometimes I see Christians believing. And a lot of these theories have to do with end times events. We have to be very careful and look to the scripture for direction. But Jesus says there's a problem. You guys are doing awesome. You're hardworking. You're discerning. You do so much for me and I appreciate it. But there is a problem developing. And I have to tell you what this problem is. You no longer love me as you did at the beginning. You have left your first love. Now sometimes people say, oh, you've lost your first love. No, it's not lost. It's left. When you lose something, you may never recover it. I lose things all the time. That's why I have these little things called the tile. I have one in my wallet I have a few others and different things. And if I lose it, I can find them on my phone. I've also found that a great thing, there's a feature on an Apple phone, an iPhone. It's find my phone or find your iPad. But I also use it as a feature that I call find my wife. Because sometimes Kathy, my wife, will put her phone on mute and I'll call her and she won't answer. And so I'll click the find my phone feature where you can set up the little alarm and she'll answer it. So it works for finding your wife too. But if you lose something, you may not recover it. But if you leave something, you know where it is and you can return to it again.
0: Pastor Greg Laurie pointing out the importance of returning to our first love. It's a message from his new series in the revealing book of Revelation right here on A New Beginning. So what's the best way to avoid backsliding, you know, going backward in your walk with the Lord? Pastor Greg says the best way to avoid going backward is to go forward. It's a lesson we'll learn next time as his study in the book of Revelation continues. This is the day, the day when life begins. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called, What if Jesus sent you an email? Now, if you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1800 00 50 11, or go to visionstore.org.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian
1: Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.